Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. It's TalkSport 2, I'm Tim Cocker, and this is the Lions Daily. And have we got a proper tour on our hands all of a sudden or what? Last night, the Lions lost their first match on that tour of South Africa against South Africa A who were pretty much the Springboks, let's be honest. I'm still absolutely buzzing from the game and it suggests that the Test Series coming up will be everything we hoped it would be. Over the next hour, we'll review the match and hear from the Lions camp. And we'll also start to cast our eye towards the weekend as well because earlier the Lions named their side to take on the Stormers on Saturday. Uh, Former Lions second row as well, Ben Kay, he'll be chatting about Alan Wynne-Jones because the Terminator... Uh, the Undertaker, Mr. Incredible, call him what you want. But the talismanic Welshman is rejoining the Lions and will be running out again for them exactly three weeks since dislocating his shoulder against Japan. Unbelievable, that. Uh, if we can track down the witch doctor who treated him, we'll get them on as well. Uh, but I can tell you we will chat to George Tavner. He was the head of Filton College for three years when Taolupe Falatel was there. And Taolupe is our player profile for today. Plus, we'll ask... How can the Lions stop Cheslin Colby and round up some of the entertaining moments from last night's commentary on TalkSport? So yeah, lots to get through. And uh, let's start with that game last night. Andrew McKenna and James Haskell, they were in the commentary box for TalkSport as South Africa A defeated the Lions. Here we go then, Cape Town for the first time. The Cape Town Stadium, it's the the new home of rugby down in the Western Cape. Damien Dialende's bringing it away, and now Ankosi over the halfway line, over the 10 metre line, up to the edge of the 22. It's going to take a miracle tackle to deny him from here, and he won't come in. Farrell got partially across, but not enough. Unfortunately, Owen Farrell goes for a chip or a crossfield kick or whatever it was, gets charged down and runs underneath our post. It's exactly what we were saying. You know, one positive straight into a negative, straight into a score. Colby takes five inside of his own top. Brilliant little goose step for Chesley Colby goes down the right-hand side. Elliot Daly makes a tackle. The offload to Lagan Yoan, and he will go in to score the try. The second of the evening for South Africa. So the Lions are kicking slightly longer, and you're giving someone like Chesley Colby, who has the naughtiest feet in the business. I mean, this guy... I- they, they are ridiculous. Too much time, and they're just just slightly off the pace. Well, they've picked and gone, and now they have got the try on this occasion, the Lions. They've gone around the edge, and Wynne Jones is going to finally get his five-pointer on this occasion. It's been hacked clear by Damian Valenza. Will it stay on the field of play? No, it won't. Oh, my goodness, what a dramatic end. The Lions did so nearly turn it over and get one more crack at this game. 
The Lions have come a cropper against South Africa A. They've lost by 17 points to 13. It really, really was an awesome 80 minutes. Can't wait for the test series. And we've got the final warm-up game this weekend as well. Commentary on TalkSport once again. I liked having James Haskell on, very honest. And uh, Maka at his electric best. Uh, with me right now as well, another member of the team, TalkSport 2's Alfie Reynolds. How much are you buzzing? For, for Now this tour really feels like it's kicked into gear. That's exactly what I was going to say, Tim. I feel like we've got a test series now. I feel like we've got a proper tour. It's still different to usual. There's no fans. I get all of that. But last night was the first time where I thought, here we go, this is a real test. Because let's be frank, up until this point, and this is the greatest respect to the opposition the Lions had come up against, they kind of felt like exhibition games. 100%. Uh, this was full-blooded. And I think in the case of both teams, they were probably similarly close to full strength. Maybe five or six people you could see coming in uh, to a test side on both sides. So it, it's just going to be an epic test series. I just want to give a little shout to the to the guy who was... Uh, looking after the sound in the Cape, Cape Town Stadium as well. I love the fact he played the A-team uh, theme tune with all the talk about this isn't really the Springbok A-side. And also, when there was a, a bit of fisticuffs about to break out, he started playing a boxing bell. So I just I was I was here for that. That's good it. work. Yeah, no, that's a very good spot from you as well there, yeah. Tim. Good work. And uh, some things I learned from last night, Alfie. Uh, Tom Curry and Maru Itoji are good at rugby. That is true. That's absolutely true. It's a very, very good spot again. Yeah, and uh, also, don't kick the ball direct to Cheslin Colby. I mean, we're going to get on to Cheslin Colby. He is unbelievable, isn't he? Yeah, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, the goal line stand from South Africa at the end of the first half, I absolutely loved. Those last few inches on their try line, they defend them with their lives and it was just immense to watch uh, Lewis Reese Samit's haircut I know we're going to touch on that a little bit later as well that definitely needs to be talked about absolutely and um, I think the, the great thing about this game last night is you, you realise when you look at every position in that Lions side and everyone that's been involved and you think every single person of the 37 or however many men it is that are out there now they've all got a chance to be involved in the 23 next week yeah, exactly. And and particularly if they played well yesterday, because as we've mentioned, the opposition was so much stronger. It was the toughest test that they've had. I think it was a great indication for Warren Gatland of who is going to be able to go toe to toe with the Springboks. And you talk about their goal line stand. I mean, it was like watching the World Cup final again, wasn't it? When England were trying to break them down and you just thought there's absolutely no way they're going to be able to here. South Africa, very impressed. I don't know about you, Tim. I, I was I know South Africa are world champions, but I was probably surprised at how good they actually were. For their first hit out together yeah. in, in that long, 20 months, nearly 21 months, that that is seriously impressive. I think what we heard from Rassi Erasmus earlier this week is that match fitness was one of the things he was really looking at. And I think you maybe saw that a little bit. And I guess the question is, who will benefit most from that 80 minutes? looking ahead to the Test Series, because I think there's there's arguments on both sides. Well, this is the thing. I was thinking about this, and I'm struggling to see who's the loser out of this situation, because the Lions, it was a great test for. We've repeated a number of times on the Lions Daily over the last few weeks about 2009, and Warren Gatland has said they were undercooked for the Test Series, and it was looking like the same again this time around. But then also for South Africa, they, they've played so little that, of course, they need the match fitness. That's exactly what Razzy Erasmus has said. So... In, in a lot of ways, I think it was the perfect game for both teams. Yeah, it was a little hors d'oeuvre ahead of the ahead <laughs> of the main course. Uh, yeah, we've we've got some huge games to look ahead to. But looking back on that game uh, against the South Africa A, despite losing their first match on tour, Warren Gatland, he said there were loads of positives to take from the match. We'll take a lot of tonight and 
you know, be good for us sort of building in the next 10 days for that first test. So, in fairness to South Africa, they started well. They were very physical at the breakdown, and we, we came to terms with that. Proud of the boys coming from 17-3 down, you know, to come back and finish so strongly in the second half. So, we, you know, I thought we were finishing over top of them, and it just goes to show, I think, these um, test matches are going to be a real arm wrestle, and that's that's what it was this evening. It was It was as close to a test match as you're going to get. Warren Gatland, absolutely right. And it, pointing out that the Lions came back in the second half, they can take positives from that, and then equally the Springboks can say, well, we managed to hold out and win. So, yeah, psychologically really interesting. And uh, let's continue with the thoughts after the game from captain Connor Murray, who said it was the toughest match by some distance and said playing a team of South Africa A's quality was vital for the team. We're going to grow from this and, and the hit out will do us you know, an, an awful lot in, in terms of moving forward and, and being able to deal with that physicality in, in the coming weeks because that's a massive part of their game. They look to attack you at the breakdown. They look to disrupt your, your quality breakdown ball and, and the speed of ball. So, um, you know, having a hit out against it, facing it live is, is, is going to stand to us moving forward for sure. Conor Murray there on a, a huge game and he mentioned looking forward and let's look forward to Saturday. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves and start thinking purely about the Test match next weekend. There's a, a big, big final chance for a lot of these players to stake their claim for Test jerseys and a, a game on Saturday against the Stormers. The Lions announced their team earlier today and, well, here, here's the team. Very interesting selections in the front row. Rory Sutherland, Luke Cowan, Dickey and Ty Furlong. In the second row, Adam Beard, who was very impressive off the bench uh, in that game last night. Um, and, and Johnny Hiller in the second row with a back row of Ty Byrne, Hamish Watson and Jack Conan. At scrum half, it's Ali Price. Get this, fly half, Marcus Smith. That is a massive story. We'll, we'll definitely get into that in a second. Uh, Robbie Henshaw returning from injury is big as well. And he starts at inside centre with Elliot Daly at 13. I'm very excited to see that particular pairing. And the back three is Duan van der Merwe, Josh Adams. So, um, you know, another 17 tries from him, I imagine, at the weekend. And Stuart Hogg. Another man whose name we've missed off of recent team sheets. He's out of isolation now and he'll captain the team from fullback. The bench, Jamie George, Mako Vanapola, Xander Fagerson, Alan Wynne-Jones, unreal, uh, Sam Simmons, Gareth, da- Gareth Davis, Chris Harris, Lewis rees Samet. So as you've said, every single player in that squad has a legitimate shout at a test match day squad, which is why this game this Saturday is so huge. I'd love to know the mentality of the players now because earlier on in the tour there was an element and Gatlin said everyone's going to get a chance, everyone's going to get game time. But now it's kind of like, okay, this is your last chance. This is, show us why you need to be starting against South Africa. So I think it's a really interesting time for that squad. And there are a lot of different combinations and selection dilemmas that I think are going to be quite intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. We've got got to talk about Marcus Smith here for a second. Uh, Let me just describe his last five Saturdays. So... uh, Five Saturdays ago, he was involved in a Premiership semi-final comeback and just, just, just what a performance that was. Uh, so he, he took his team, Harlequins, onto a Premiership final and they won that one as underdogs. Following week, he got his first England cap and scored his first England try. Uh, and then he got a Lions call-up during his second England cap the following weekend. And on the fifth weekend, he'll be starting for the Lions. So w- will it be the full house? Will he get the sixth one next week? That just, is unbelievable, isn't it, though? It's just incredible. I mean, I've, I've, as a Bristol fan, I've just about got over that, <laughs> that semi-final, Tim. So I'm all right speaking about it now. But for Marcus Smith, 
I mean, you mentioned those last five weeks, and it, it is an unbelievable when you when you lay them out like that. It is quite extraordinary. But it's just he's had a great season, hasn't he? He he has been brilliant for Harlequins. I think there's so many England fans, and of course Harlequins fans, that are going to be delighted to see him be in there. And I know tomorrow on the show we're, we're hopefully going to hear a little bit more from from him. He's been speaking to some of our reporters and and, and things like that. But is this just because they're resting Dan Bigger? Owen Farrell played. Does he have any chance? What, what do you reckon? Um, I don't think so. No. I don't think he has a chance at a test jersey. And I think the one thing you mentioned is how a lot of the games so far have, have felt like exhibition matches. And without their South African players, unless Rassi Erasmus does some more uh, incredible work behind the scenes, uh, it will probably feel a little bit like that against the Stormers, albeit there will be a, an extra edge because this is the last chance for a lot of these guys. But I, I think the step up from every other game we've seen to the one we saw last night was so vast that I don't think however good Marcus Smith plays he will oust Owen Farrell or Dan Bigger from um, from one of those jerseys be it starting or on the bench unless he, unless Warren Gatlin goes Bigger and Farrell and there's a spot on the bench that opens up who knows yeah, that's just what, again, we're, tomorrow on the show, yeah. me and Tim are actually going to sit down and, and go through who, who we, we think we, we, we would start if the, if the test matches were tomorrow. But it, it's interesting. It, it will depend because will Owen Farrell play 12? You know, will there potentially be a spot there if Finn Russell's fitness isn't quite right? Um, so Marcus Smith, I mean, let's just hope he grabs the opportunity of both hands. I'm sure he will. He's in unbelievable form. Yeah, and he'll be soaking up everything. It's fascinating that Marcus Smith is on this stage and at this level because one of the things that struck me and every time he's been interviewed in, down the years and he was not ashamed to say it was a couple of years ago now and he said uh, I want to be the best player in the world mm. and he said it with a completely straight face a lot of people would think that but not say it he said it he means it and he's following through on it he's he's having an incredible season and um, this could just cap it off um, as for um, Alan Wynne-Jones the, the other eye-catching name on that team sheet in the 23 just an re- absolutely remarkable recovery and I'll tell you what we'll do we will chat about him with someone who's been there and done it himself, won World Cups, uh, played for the Lions in the second row, in the engine room. We'll be chatting to uh, Ben Kay in a minute. But it's the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18+. plus. Be drink aware and commentary of every game on the Lions Tour to South Africa across the TalkSport network. And like I say, AWJ uh, with Ben Kay. Seven minutes played on tour. And the captain is down, and we're talking about Alan Wynne-Jones. We're talking about 148 Wales caps. He knows. He's got that look in his face. He knows, doesn't he? I'm just devastated for him because he's captain of Wales again to a Six Nations title. You just feel for him. You know the prep that he puts in, his professionalism. Some breaking news from the British and Irish Lions camp. Initial tour captain Alan Wynne-Jones will return to play with the squad after recovering from a shoulder injury. He has made a remarkable recovery in terms of that injury, which the assessment was initially that it wasn't as bad as they first thought. You know, it would be a boost to the squad having someone of his experience and, and calibre to come back into the, into the squad. It doesn't sound like he is human. Like Alan Wynne Jones is very, is probably one of his biggest strengths is his mental fortitude and just to sort of, the more somebody telling him he can't do something, the more likely he is to do it. When speaking about a man who's nearing 150 Wales caps, he's on his fourth British and Irish Lions tour. You would have thought we'd stop being amazed, but cue Alan Wynne Jones with another remarkable feat. The original tour captain is back after injuring his shoulder against Japan at Murrayfield and being ruled out of the tour he's now linking back up with the squad he's on the bench 
for this weekend's game. Uh, they said he flew to South Africa. I'm not sure whether that means on a plane or he just put a cape on. One or the other. Uh, either way, he's there. And uh, I'm delighted now that I've got Brit- former British and Irish Lion, second row, Ben Kay. How are you doing, Benny? Hi, Tim. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Um, wh- where does AWJ rank in, in the Pantheon of Greats? Oh, look, right at the very top, I think, particularly uh, when you look at, at World Rugby's captains and, and um, guys that uh, sort of will stand the test of time and we'll still be talking about in 40, 50 years' time. There's very few of them, uh, and he's right up there and, and you know, perhaps hasn't had the you know, big World Cup wins that, that others have had, but that's not necessarily sort of down to anything that he's done. It's it's just the fact that Wales haven't been competing in, in World Cup finals. So, uh, look, he put him in any team in the world and they would get better for it. You mentioned others that get mentioned that have won World Cups. Obviously, your former club country and Lions teammate Martin Johnson would be one that springs to mind there. What, what difference does... Um... Do, do guys like that, the, the Johnsons and in this case Alan Wynne Jones, what do they make to have around, not just on the field, but just their presence and aura, part of a group? Uh, I think it's a really good comparison between those two. Um, you know, there's obviously other great players that would come into that same bracket, but in terms of the makeup, the psychological makeup, what they do for the team, I think they're very, very similar. It, it's very difficult to put your hand on it and, or your finger on it because because otherwise everyone would be doing it, but it's just that sheer presence and always doing the right thing, always making the right decision. And it's not the the shouty leadership that, you know, this is what you should be doing. It's just operating exactly how a professional should, exactly how an elite athlete and professional rugby player should at the right time, under pressure and always getting it right. And, and you know, people like that, you just want to follow into battle. Absolutely. What Warren Gatland said, he's going to sit down and chat with Alan Wynne Jones and Connor Murray. Uh, would you fancy being a fly on the wall in that meeting? What, what do you imagine will go down there? I don't think it will be you know, any sort of uh, animosity on, on Connor Murray's uh, part. I think he'll be absolutely delighted. Uh, I know he said the right things on TV and people might question whether that was just because the microphone was under his uh, lips, but... All he wants to do is win a Lions Test Series and, and you can't help but think the Lions are better off for having Alan Wynne-Jones back there in whatever capacity. You know, We don't know whether he's going to be a starter. We don't know how much the, the lack of game time will affect him because, of course, not only has he missed all the warm-up games for the Lions, but his season finished later, sorry, earlier than some of the, the English players that were involved in, in the, the Premiership. Um, so, you know, he, he might be slightly rusty and, and you've then got to throw into the equation where you can't just put him on the bench until you've tested out the shoulder because if that starts to, to play up and you've, you've already brought him off the bench, you, you then need to replace your replacement. So it's a, it's a difficult scenario for Warren Gatland to uh, put the pieces of the jigsaw back together but I'm pretty sure he'll do everything he can to have Alan Wynne-Jones in that in that dressing room at least for the test matches well let's have a little listen uh, listen to this Ben uh, this is Warren Gatland uh, talking about Alan Wynne-Jones and obviously saying he's not guaranteed to start the tests he hasn't had any any rugby for the last three weeks even though he's been taking a full part in training and stuff so you know, it's something that we won't make a decision on. On there, you know, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a conversation about what we do with with the team because I think in in the in the game at the moment, um, having guys come off the bench is, is incredibly important, and having guys who can come off and make a difference. And I thought it, I thought our bench was pretty good today, and 
and gave us an impact, and that's going to be incredibly important in the test matches that we have players who, who come off the bench and can really give you something, we can bring you, give you energy, but also um, that experience and ability to, to be able to change a game. So, you know, they, those are the things that there won't, there's no guarantees of anyone being selected. So those discussions will take place after Saturday's game. Ben, if, if you were a betting man, what, what, what do you think will happen come test match time and Alan Wynne-Jones? Well, if, if I was a betting man, having heard Warren Gatman say he might be on the bench, I'd put all my money on him being a test starter because <laughs> <laughs> Warren Gatlin's renowned for, for not necessarily uh, telling the interviewer exactly what's <laughs> going to happen. So uh, having said that, you know, the, the benefit of for a team when you're on the ropes a little bit, and you know the legs have started to go from underneath you, and, uh, and the fatigue has set in. Yeah, you're in a huddle, and then uh, in pops Alan Wynne Jones's head and says, "It's right, lads. Here I am." You know that sort of lift that it can give you. I remember playing in games with with guys that were sat on the bench, you know, legends of the sport, and and uh, you know the likes of Jason Leonard coming on in a World Cup final. Um, you know there was a time where I think uh, Clive Woodward decided to pick. Um, Leonard, Johnson, Delalio, Dawson, all on the bench, and they came on halfway through, and you could just feel the opposition going, "Oh no, we thought we were, we thought we had parity here, and now they're bringing on some some big guns as well." So, look, I think I think there's a benefit either way. The big worry, if you start him on the bench, though, is that he comes on and his shoulder's not quite as good as we thought, and you won't know that for all the training he can do, all the. Um, you know, all the game realistic stuff you can do in training until you put under the actual stress levels of test match rugby, he won't 100% know whether his shoulder's going to hold up. Mm, well, we'll see uh, how it goes this weekend. Presumably, he'll get some minutes from the bench. But on yesterday's match against South Africa, A, uh, what did you make of that game, Ben? Uh, I actually thought it was uh, a really much-needed thing for both sides. Uh, clearly, the South Africans have, have been short of game time, which is why they picked the, the tie, uh, side that they did. Uh, but having said that, you know the Lions have, have not faced Test match intensity yet, and the game plan has been very different as a result. Uh, we saw the South Africans manage to get certainly for, for a large part of the game the sort of control of the game and the tempo of the game that. Uh, they had in the World Cup final when you know they they completely suppressed how England wanted to play. So uh, that will have been a big learning lesson for Warren Gatland and his men. Um, because what I've loved about the Lions so far is the balance that they've played get played with, and, and you know you want to see them playing all over the pitch and not just running into brick walls because that's not going to work against South Africa. Under pressure yesterday, they went back, they got forced back into playing that style of rugby, and we saw them hammering away at the South African line. And there wasn't, you know, it wasn't creaking at all. So they need to play with a bit more balance and they need to get that defensive line moving around the pitch, change the point of contact and, and, and try and add some sort of surprise and, and stress into the South African defence. I know that uh, Gregor Townsend's had to be isolating, uh, but he's still been working behind the scenes. But I, I get the sense, picking up on what you've just said, that, that his influence has been significant and, and could be crucial for the Test Series. Yeah, I, I think so. It's certainly not you know, the Warren Ball tag that, that uh, was levelled at, at Warren Gatland a few years ago and you know Jamie Roberts crashing up the middle. We, we've seen good balance to the play and 
Um, you know, they they have been getting to the wide channels and, and moving teams around. And as a result, there's been a bit more time on the ball for guys closer in. And, and we've seen you know, some of the ball handling of, of the first receiver when it's a forward, rather than trucking it straight up in, into a, a big mass of bodies, they've been able to play a little bit. And I think they need to get that tempo on the game. But as I said, what South Africa are the masters at is controlling the tempo and slowing the game down you know, almost making it you know a, a complete arm wrestle, and then suddenly they'll get an opportunity, and they have you know they like the touch paper. They've got the likes of Cheslin Colby on the wing, and and they go, and and you're, you're seven, fourteen points down before you know what's happened. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's really struck me, Ben, and I'd love to get your perspective on this, being as what's been talked about a lot since the 2005 tour, despite all the struggle, the struggles, and despite only having each other. They seem to have built an incredible atmosphere in the camp. It'd be really interesting to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, look, I think there is. Uh, clearly, it's not been as much fun as as touring together should be um, because they have been completely in lockdown. But out of adversity comes some stronger uh, ties, doesn't it? You, you make the best of the situation you're in. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, I actually think mentally it will take quite a toll on the players when they come back that they might have a bit of a dip but I think for this short period of time that they're away together uh, under the cosh a bit with, with, and, and not able to escape it's bonding them together and they, they can achieve something special Do you think potentially I, I, as you say it's not ideal and it's not what, what they would have chosen but in some respects they will have been able to engineer some relationships within the group that, that maybe you've spoken before about that you missed out a bit in 2005 that tour to New Zealand yeah, because there's no escape, so you can't go off and sulk, even if you want to. <laughs> you know, that if if someone's getting on your nerves, you've got to you've got to address the problem there and then. You can't go and have a quiet moment somewhere else. So, I think inevitably they've had to work on that, and because everyone's aware of it, they have that mindset that we can't let anything fester, we can't let people go off tour. Um, so, that it's always a critical part of the tour the next week or so because. You know, up until now, everyone's been competing for test places, and um, so so the dynamic changes once once you get to knowing what that first test team's going to be, and the players will have an inkling just because of the way things have been done in training. They won't necessarily know, and they won't have been told, but they'll be starting to work out some of the people that that are nailed on, and then it's about right, how can I support this guy and make it the best tour we can possibly be come away with a series win and you know I'll stay as involved as I can be and, and I, I might still get my shot Ben thanks so much for your time really appreciate it cheers Tim nice one so the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse the spirit of rugby 18 plus be drink aware we've got commentary of every game of the Lions tour to South Africa across the TalkSport network and next we're going to look at the origin story of Taulupe Falatau with the help of his former coach at Filton College George Tavner 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can he bounce off one, bounce off two and put the ball down in the corner? Troy given to Lupe Faletau. To Lupe Faletau, Bath Rugby, Wales. Back rowers, there's a lot of competition at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for us, but you know, look, he's uh, he's going he's going well. Welcome back to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. It's the show that we bring you five days a week on all non-match days throughout the British and Irish Lions Tour to South Africa. And it's available as a podcast as well. So follow and download us from wherever you get yours. And a regular segment on the show is our player profile, where we chat to family members, former teammates and coaches of every player member of the 2021 Lions squad. And today is the Wales and Bath number 8 Tau, Lupe Faletau. And George Tavner uh, joins me. He was head of rugby at Filton College when Tau Lupe was there. Hi, George. Hi there, how are you doing? I'm very well. Uh, give us the, the lowdown on Tao Lupe then. He comes across as a, a very quiet figure. What was he like when you first met him? Yeah, I mean, he, he was a very quiet individual when I first met him, but he was also incredibly respectful um, and, and also very humble. Um, but he also had a real determination about him to, to, to see him to go on and achieve what he has. has been absolutely fantastic and everyone uh, at the college is extremely proud of him. Um, how did it come about him coming to the college? I suppose uh, he was at the college for three years. And it's a bit of a funny story. He was actually uh, living in South Wales, in uh, Ebervale, in South Wales. And um, he was um, obviously uh, Tongan, and that's why he was in, in uh, Ebervale, because his dad was representing uh, Ebervale Rugby Club. Um, but he, he had uh, some cousins that are probably quite well known, uh, a Maka Villapola and a Billy Villapola. Oh, I've heard of them. In, yeah, who were living in uh, Thornbury in Bristol. And at the time, I was coaching uh, Bristol schools, um, sort of, uh, and I got to know Mako and Billy really well. And, and, and the, the sort of the ironic thing about the story is, I, I was trying to recruit uh, Mako Vunapola into the into the college, um, and I met his father. And his father basically said to me, "Look, Georgia, I know you, um, you've spent a lot of time with Mako, and we've worked hard with him, but um, unfortunately, he's going to go to a scholarship, a scholarship to Millfield. However, I do have another guy that you may be interested in, <laughs> who, uh, and his name's uh, Talupi Falatau. And 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 uh, you know, as you say, the rest is history. He was absolutely brilliant for us at the college, and you know, as I said, I'm extremely proud of him. But um, yeah, it's great to see him doing so well. Was he always a number eight, George? Uh, when he joined the college, he was a, we, we, he actually started in the second row, so he wasn't um, quite as less as athletic when he was. He was always a big kid, but he wasn't that athletic when he was sort of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Uh, when he joined us at sixteen, we started him in the second row. But his ball skills and his, you know, is the way he read the game, his ability quickly began to shine through. And I thought I'm, I'm missing a trick here, having him in the second row. So we moved him to number eight, um, and you know he was absolutely fantastic. And you know he, he just grew. Um, as the seasons went on, by the second year, he was a player of the season at the college, and you know he, he was he was doing some pretty special things. And it, it was it was at that point I thought this this boy's going to go on and do really well. And you know, as 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 has shown, he's he's been brilliant. Well, 
when you look back at the the people that have come through Filton College, it's uh, the Filton system. It's um, there's been quite a, a role, a roster of names. How good was Sao Lupe Falatao when you look back compared to the others that have come through? Um, all these players that came through are, are, are different. Um, but the thing that stood out with me with Toby was his temperament, and he didn't get phased by anything. So whatever level he played at. He just sort of rose the occasion and his skill shone through because in some ways, I think he just got his head down. He didn't overthink it. He wasn't like a, a rugby noise. He didn't know every single player and he just sort of got his head down and worked hard. Um, and, and, you know, his skill his skill came through. So, I, I mean, I, I remember a story by the third year he was at the college. He was, um, he was already then playing professional rugby for the Dragons. So he sort of outshone the college team and I knew at that stage we need to let this boy go and play the level and play, so he can actually keep um, challenging himself. So he was playing for the Newport Gwent Dragons first team as an 18-year-old. And I remember in his third year of college, I, I sat down with him one day and I said, Toby, are you looking forward to the game against the Ospreys this evening? And he sort of shrugged and said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope, I hope it'll be good. I said, you know, how, how, uh, how do you think you're going to get on against the, uh, the back row of the Ospreys? And the back row of the Ospreys at the time was Ryan Jones, Jerry Collins, and Marty Holler. And he was an 18 year old <laughs> kid at school. And, and he just shrugged. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't saying, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, you know. And, and I think in a lot of ways, that was his biggest strength that he didn't overthink it. He just loved playing. He wasn't the best trainer in the world, but you put a ball in his hand, you put him in a game, he was unbelievable. And, and so definitely, of all the boys that have come through at Bilton, he had the best temperament. He had, that, he had the ability to cope with pressure, the ability to, whatever level he played at, to, to thrive in, was absolutely outstanding. And, you know, that, that's, that's what stood out for me really the most. From one of his early coaches, uh, have a listen to his, uh, his latest and, um, and most prominent coach in his professional career. Uh, have a listen to Warren Gatland uh, and talking about the competition in the back row. I spoke to them all uh, last night and just said, look, you've got a license from me to go and get your hands on the ball and, and, and express yourself. So um, I said, you're probably not renowned as, as line-out experts, but um, is there, but you've got to play to your strengths and obviously we're... The strong defenders and great ball carriers and so yeah it's a it's a, it's a different aspect to look at but it's, it's pretty exciting warren gatland on the back row an embarrassment of riches he's got at his disposal what have you made of talupe on the tour so far i think he's had a good start i think you know again like we've been talking about in this interview so far i think he's taken the games in his stride and he's raised himself to, to play at a really good level again I think the point of difference for me with Toby is his ability to offload the ball, his, his ability to beat players with his athleticism. And I think going up against the box, I don't think we want to fight fire with fire. We, we, whilst we've got to match their physicality, I think that um, you know we, we definitely need to move them around and get an offloading game going and move the ball away where we can, away from their, their big heavy forwards. And I think Toby definitely gives that option. But yeah, definitely. I think in terms of how we started the tour, he's done really well. And I, and I hope, fingers crossed, he can get himself back in that test team again. For sure. He's definitely, uh, there's a lot of competition in, in that squad, but by the sounds of what you're saying, he's just going to take it all in his stride one way or the other and uh, and do the very best he can. Do you still have any contact with him at all, George? Well, yeah, I do, I do, because uh, following my time at Filton College, I went across and was working as assistant academy manager at Bath Rugby, and two years after I got that job, uh, Toby obviously uh, signed for Bath, so I spent a fair bit of time with him as he, as he grew up and as he matured and, you know, it's great to see his young family um, growing up and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I don't speak to him all the time, but I, I do keep in touch with him and, you know, it's, it's great to see him, to see him. And, you know, I'm just incredibly proud of him.
Hey, well, let's, let's finish off with that then. If you could send him a message right now, if you were speaking to him, not me, uh, what would you say? I would tell him to go and do his best. You know, we're, say we're proud of you and you know, keep doing what you're doing. Um, play with a smile on your face and and and, uh, and take it in your stride as you always have, and and, and make make people home and proud of you as you could, as you've done throughout your career. George, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No problem at all. Good to chat to you. Top man. George Tavener, uh, who was the head of rugby at Filton College when Tao Lupe was there uh, and uh, follow, uh, and coached him uh, at Bath as well as he was coming through. And yeah, it's interesting, actually. I think that, that battle for the number eight jersey, I, I would go, Jack Conan's looked really good on the on the tour, Alfie. Uh, Tao Lupe Falatel, we know his class. He's got a lot of credit in the bank, especially with Warren Gatland. And an outside shout, Tom Curry could be slotted in there if Warren Gatlin wanted to rejig it. It's fascinating. It keeps changing, doesn't it? I think it is one of those positions that maybe we all were changing who we think it should play there against South Africa. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens on the weekend before, you know, that position gets cemented. For sure. You're listening to the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Up next, we're going to hear from Jason Robinson on Chesling Colby. And uh, we'll go through some of the funny moments that happened last night in TalkSport's commentary and what was James Haskell referring to here? What's that big cuddle all about? This is the moment. It's not. It's Justin Harrison's moment. That was incredible. And this is it for Australia. The Lions roared loudly. But the Wallabies soared higher. That was 20 years ago yesterday, the third test between Australia and the British and Irish Lions. And yeah, as you heard at the end of that game, it was the, it was the moment that Justin Harrison, affectionately known as the Plank, stole a, a line out five metres from the Australian try line as the Lions were attacking. It was 26-23 at the time when that happened. Australia went on to win the third test 29-23, sealing a 2-1 series victory and deflating the hearts of every British and Irish Lions fan. Uh, at that point, I can tell you uh, firsthand uh, in that commentary. Um, firstly, it was described as incredible from Justin Harrison. It was a very good lineout steal, but it was also just really laboured. I, I watched it again the other day, and it's really laboured the lift on Martin Johnson at the front. Still frustrates me now. It's amazing the things that you still pick up, isn't it? After all these yeah. years, it would be the same for me. Two thousand nine, when I still see the end of the second Test match in South oh. Africa, the Ron Nagara penalty and, and Mornay Stain's kick to win it. I still oh. can't get over it. Yeah. Also, I can't get over the fact that Mornay Stain played again last night. You just mentioned him there, and he played last night again. Unreal. It's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, so, uh, also the other thing, just to make a little mention of that, the the Australian commentator who got himself in a cul-de-sac he couldn't get out of. The Lions roared, but the Wallabies... Uh, what are Wallabies doing again? Uh, soared. I don't, I don't know. Just to clarify, Wallabies don't fly, they? Do don't they don't fly, no, no. Last I heard, not unless Justin Harrison picked one up and lobbed it. I don't know, no. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, another little look back at one of the great moments. Hopefully we're going to have plenty of big moments in the weeks ahead in this really exciting test series between the Lions and South Africa. As we round up some of the latest bits from the tour, we haven't got to yet on the Lions Daily right now. How about Cheslin Colby first off? Because uh, he proved his class yesterday for South Africa A. And the former England winner, winger Jason Robinson, well, he told Paul Coit on TalkSport 2 this morning that the Lions will have their work cut out to stop him in the test matches. One of the other things that the Lions will need to get right is that aerial game. You know, we, we came off second best 
Um, South Africa really dominated in that area. And, and, and players like Cheslin Colby, dear me, um, <laughs> boy, is that, is that guy quick. It's knowing what you face, but when you face it, it's it's a lot you know, it's a lot more difficult to uh, to stop. And and he's one of those players, you know, you've either got to put the ball out um, of play or you've got to stick it up on him and then just send three or four guys to smash him, to be fair. Um, otherwise, he will pick people off and he's got the footwork, you know, just to get round people and, and make the best of players look really silly. When Jason Robinson is marvelling at your footwork and your speed, you know you're doing something good. Because, I mean, who does Cheslin Colby remind you of, Alfie Reynolds? Jason Robinson. And this is what we were thinking about earlier, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. He's the most Jason Robinson-esque rugby player since Jason Robinson. That electric footwork, finding a gap out of absolutely nowhere, all fast twitch and pure speed. He is just incredible to watch. I can't imagine being able to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, even Lewis Rizamit, for example absolutely rapid but it's it's and this i mean this respectfully it's kind of that straight line speed where he will absolutely burn you with cheslin colby you watch him and you think how on earth is a human being able to do that i mean he is a star of the sport and in a south african team that is known for its physicality i tell you what he's not bad out wide is he yeah he sort of moves like uh you know how you see house flies just dart around your house when when they when they get in your window and they annoy you in your kitchen he's, he, he just moves like one of them just changes direction it's unreal and that try yesterday Chris Harris followed up the kick from Elliot Daly and Chris Harris had him covered. Chris Harris, one of the best defenders in the Lions squad and he had him right up until the point that he didn't have him. Exactly. And that is the question. That how do you stop him? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, you can say they have to kick well and make sure the chase is there. He doesn't have too much space. But at some point in the test series... Cheson Colby's going to get in space mm. and then how do you go about stopping him? It's so difficult. Yeah, he's a proper game breaker. And here's, here's one for you. So imagine... They finally get round to making another rugby union video game, like like the classic Jonah Lomu back in the day. Is Cheslin Colby a, a contender for someone you would have as the as the poster boy for rugby on the front of it? Does he have that potential to transcend the sport and be bigger than rugby? Yeah, I think I think in terms of ability, one hundred percent. I don't think there's many players who are as exciting to watch that as soon as they get the ball and who who will turn heads for people that aren't necessarily rugby fans because that's kind of what you're looking for, isn't it, in, in that kind of personality of the sport. But for me, rugby's always had a little bit of an issue with that. To go off on a tiny bit of a tangent, in, in terms of those players that transcend the sport and drive it forward and take it to an audience who aren't necessarily rugby fans... Chesin Cole is really down to earth and, and a humble kind of guy. And that's also the culture you have in a lot of the Pacific Islands and New Zealand as well. But then on the other flip side of that in rugby and the Mavericks, whether it be a Quade Cooper or a Danny Cipriani, they tend to get ostracised a little mm. bit. Rugby almost doesn't know how to Carlos deal with Spencer them. Carlos Spencer would be another one. Exactly. And yeah. I do wonder whether, you know, rugby needs that person that really transcends the sport and you know, it's difficult for it to find it because of those two things I just mentioned. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm just thinking of another one, uh, South African as well, Sia Khaleesi. He's another mm. guy who, the, the work he does off the rugby field and the, and the the foundation that he's built and the, the power that he's, what well, what he's used his position for has been absolutely incredible. But, but equally, I understand exactly what you're saying. He's not the kind of guy that's just going to walk around with a bit of a swagger and get people's attention. But- I, yeah, and I think rugby maybe has an issue with it. In a, degree. And in a sense, it's a good problem because of the ethos of rugby generally is it means, you know, they like people being humble. But in terms of growing the sport, I do think it helps when it's those players that, you know, a little bit more on the edge. Well, I mentioned earlier that Marcus Smith said quite confidently 
even when he was still a teenager, I want to be the best player in the world. He has got humility, but he also has got a little bit of that swagger. So, mate, could Marcus Smith be that guy long-term, potentially? Not a, not a bad shout. Not a bad shout well, at all. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's hear what Warren Gatland had to say about uh, the new fly half that's joined his squad. Uh, if you missed me give you the team for Saturday against the Stormers earlier in the show, Marcus Smith will start at fly half for the Lions. And Warren Gatland, he said he's been impressed by his development. There's no doubt he's developed as a player in the last 12 months or so, and he's had an outstanding year for, for Harlequins. He's got a, a couple of caps for England, which is which is brilliant. He's uh, you know a young man who's incredibly enthusiastic, a bit of a sponge in terms of sort of soaking up all the knowledge and talking to players within the group. Uh, there's no doubt he's got some um, real attacking prowess. Uh, he's matured. Uh, significantly, and you know we're really excited about him him having an opportunity to start. I think you know we were initially looking at him probably coming off the bench, but you know the message to him is just go out there and enjoy the occasion and, and make the most of it, and go and make a few people sit up and take notice. Well, he certainly is doing that. Warren Gatland talking about Marcus Smith, and when you piece Marcus Smith into that back line for the weekend with Ali Price inside him, an explosive scrum half, Stuart Hogg at fullback, and then <laughs> Elliot Daly. And Duan van der Merwe. It's a really exciting looking backline. It is. It's a brilliant looking backline, Tim. Yeah. No, I, I'm really excited to see how they go. Again, as we mentioned earlier in the show, whether Marcus Smith will be able to get any action in terms of the Test matches, you'd say he's very much an outside shout. But purely for this weekend, looking at how that backline is going to go, I think we're going to be seeing points. Yeah. And uh, as an Englishman as I am, Marcus Smith having this experience could be could be huge for him uh, and for England. And the Lions in future tours as well, to be fair. Uh, on to something a little less serious right now on the Lions Daily. And how good was it to hear James Haskell on TalkSport commentary duty last night? He um, he provided brilliant analysis, as he always does, the, the Hask. But that, that classic Haskell personality came through as well. And we, we, we did enjoy him chatting about the scrum. I don't think anyone knows what's happening at scrum time it's anywhere I, I, fans that you meet in the street they, they come up and talk to you as if I might have any idea That's what, you know, what, talk to about the scrum what goes on in the scrum what's that big cuddle all about nobody knows apart from the front row but they make it so mystical that's why they get paid the big bucks because it's like a bit like repairing a car they make it so complicated that no one else can do it but that's why they charge the big bucks but they, they, they have to be very careful they get this right because referees will come into this game with preconceived ideas and you need to make sure that you're squeaky, you know, you're squeaky clean because when you get into a test match, you don't want the referee thinking, hold a minute, the Lions haven't had that much dominance. Perhaps it was them, them at fault. There's a man with absolute substance and a bit of style as well. I love how he's able to combine quite a funny, entertaining way about the scrum and then going into some serious analysis. It was beautifully condensed into 30 seconds or so. Yeah, uh, it's great having a Hask on board. He's right about the scrum as well. I, I sometimes wonder whether refs just turn up with a magic eight ball to make their decisions. But on that, I thought in the game last night, Mako Vanapola could have potentially gone from before last night being the third choice Lou said to potentially putting himself in contention for a test start because he came on and looked really good and it's strange because he struggled earlier in the tour against opposition you would have expected to be easier so who knows how Warren Gatton and Co are going to be able to pick their starting front row yeah uh, as for uh, the Hask uh, he um, wasn't just a forward pack which you know James knows his way around uh, a forward forward pack he was eagle-eyed as ever so have a, have a listen to this on Lewis Reese samits new Barnet I've spotted something and it's not what you think I've spotted. It is Lewis Rees Samet appears to have a lightning bolt cut into the back of his head, which, because obviously they call him Rees Lightning. Now I love the branding as a man, as a commercial animal that I that I was. I, I love that, but perhaps maybe not on the Lions tour against the South Africa side. But I like it. Listen, it, but I, if he scores a hat trick tonight, 
then then fair play. But I've, I've just seen that. And I'm like, the, the last three bits he's had, he's been filled in twice. And uh, Chosen yeah. Colby just stepped him. So yes. I would get onto the uh, the barber at half-time, whiz that off, I think. Uh, Haskell on Lewis Reese, like, uh, Reese Zamet's lightning bolt hairstyle, which I, I also spotted. And um, I thought potentially we, we saw... Well, we we definitely saw the limits of Lewis Rees Summit's uh, hairstyle choices. I think possibly there's an argument that we saw the limits of him uh, on a rugby field as well. He's he's an incredible talent and he's going to be one of the greats. Uh, but you you saw a 20 year old who's only in his second senior season there coming up against the world champions. Yeah, yeah. There there were times I felt where he perhaps was a little bit exposed on the haircut. I know Andrew McKenna in commentary as well, suggested that maybe it's one to keep our eyes peeled for the DVD extras of, of the Lions tour and whether there's some sort of forfeit going on. A hundred percent. I was I was thinking it's a bet, it's a punishment. Uh, and yeah, I totally agree with Macker on that. Uh, and finally, is there no end to the talents of the South Africa director of rugby, Rassi Erasmus? He was, he was pitched side as a water boy last night. Warren Gatland, though, he had some advice on how Rassi could do an even better job. Last night, you know, he's the water boy and, and running on with the pitch. But the thing, if you're the water boy carrying running onto the pitch, you got to make sure you're carrying water. So <laughs> I don't know kind of what I don't didn't kind of understand what his role was. You know, you don't run onto the pitch giving messages and stuff without if you're the water boy without carrying the water. So my advice to him is make sure he's carrying water next time when he does that. It's a great point by Warren Gatlin. To be fair, it is a good point. I quite enjoyed the director of rugby being right in amongst it but yeah probably does need to uh, bring on some water if he's actually wearing the water boy bib a little bit of feedback for Warren, Warren Gatlin though when you're, when you're sort of telling a funny in a press conference try and stay deadpan try to resist the urge to laugh at your own gag but, he really enjoyed it didn't he uh, but I love that there is banter even between the directors of rugby uh, it's, uh, it's great to see you just don't see some of this stuff in other sports and that is a wrap on the Lions Daily for today with on Talk Sport 2 with the famous grouse the spirit of rugby 18 plus be drink aware the Lions tour of South Africa every single match you will get commentary across the TalkSport network Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market 